Dave and Bacon Safety Tales, the only industrial safety podcast that brings you common sense advice on job site safety, standards, regulations, and industry best practices without putting you to sleep. Welcome to Dave and Bacon Safety Tales. This is episode number six. Six. <laughs> Once again, this is Fred with Quad City Safety. I'm here with my buddy Dave, also with Quad City Safety. Today, the topic of the day is we're about to dig into the most basic of safety needs, foot protection. I wouldn't call it the most basic. Well, some might say it's not actually that basic. There's a lot more to know than if you just need a steel toe or a metatarsal, right? Yeah, yeah I guess uh, most of the world uh, wants to walk into Walmart, bust in there and, you know, Pay about twenty nine ninety five, exit with a box that says steel toe, and right. you know while that's a little bit of it, there's a lot more that goes into it. And they got a uh, a Bud Light can protecting their little piggies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pretty yeah. Much, so. All right, so start. You off know, with actually, that. without a big toe, you can't actually stand up. I feel like I could try it. You got a knife in you that's half, <laughs> that's half <laughs> off of a big toe. Let's well, I mean that that would uh, that I. It, I wish I did because it'd be <laughs> worth watching. But uh, no, actually, you know, when you talk about your 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 big toe, it's a it's a big part of your whole balancing agent. So huh. you cut it off, and I mean, literally, you're gonna you're gonna do a freaking header. I know the pinky toe. It's hard. It's tough to walk when you're missing the pinky toe. So I imagine the big toe is a lot more balanced that you probably push off that. And it helps you uh, realistically count past in. Fair enough. I got the fingers for that, though. Yeah, so I but go, I mean, sometimes I get to 20, some of us have to do some bigger math than 10, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so you want to get into your uh, your story for the day? Yeah, so this one goes way back. So I spent a lot of my uh, younger years in, in scouting. So I'm an Eagle Scout in Boy Scouts of America, and we used to do a lot of weekend trips. And these weekend trips could be anything, you know, from going to see Civil War battlefields to to whatever, but one of the big ones every year was we would uh, go to Red River Gorge, and Red River Gorge is in eastern Kentucky, and obviously there was a Red River and there was a big gorge, and so it's a good name. Yeah, I mean it's classic. I mean I'm from Fern Creek, so when you look at places in Kentucky, oftentimes it's literally like you know, Fern Creek. So there must have been a fern in the creek and, you know, somebody put that together. Red River Gorge, you know, Red River and Gorge, you know, so there's there's combinations like that that are ultra simplistic, but, uh, you know, I guess Iowa has them too, you know, Lone Tree and stupid stuff like that. Bluegrass, well, bluegrass doesn't really, it's just a thing. You're, always, you're in a lot of bluegrass. Never mind. <laughs> I digress. And so we're popping through Red River Gorge. And the big thing that uh, we would always talk about before we would go on this hike every year was our footwear. And the reason that uh, footwear was a big deal was we're stomping through creeks, we're stomping on trails, and these are pretty rugged trails, so you needed to be in a hiking boot. And a hiking boot back then is not really like a hiking boot now. You know, so uh, you're not... You're not in some new age North Face looking futuristic boot. We were in big old clod hoppers, but you know, you know, with the the red laces and you know, look like you should wear them in yodel in your leader house and right. kind of you know, kind of stuff. So we're in, the big thing that they would always say is that you need to make sure that to break in your boots. And needless to say, you know, every year we would have this kid. And every year it was different, but the one that I'm going to go to was this kid that we labeled Drillbit. And Drillbit was, uh, he was very hyperactive. I mean, he he was uh, in need of medication before they really had medication for kids like this. Gotcha. So, I mean, he was, uh, how to say, talked all the time, ran in very tight circles, and that's why we kind of called him Drillbit. He was a spaz. Yeah, he was, he was ultra spaz. I mean, it was... Uh, I mean, it was literally clinical ADHD before we had a, you know, basically at that point in time, your parents just beat the shit out of you and put you in the closet and the teacher hated you. And uh, from there, you would uh, probably go to college and make a million dollars and 
be a you know overnight success but now you know we just kind of drug drug everybody yeah so with that said drill bit uh gets his big clot hoppers pulls them out of the box puts them on doesn't tell us that he hasn't broke his boots in which is kind of a big deal because as we know you know when you're at that point in time you didn't break shoes in right when you wore them it took a little bit because you had an all leather upper kind of needed to get the flex points in there and wear them for a while okay and we get uh back into red river gorge and we're a couple miles back in and you know just to reiterate we're in a gorge that has red river you know kind of flowing through it so we're in bfe in the middle of nowhere well again past three miles i mean it was i want to say it was like 11 or 12 miles in so it's probably past that long and short of it is drill bit all of a sudden has issues red light comes on and goes you know he's crying and we're trying to figure out what's wrong with drill bit well the problem with drill bit was he hadn't broke his boots in and now he had a blister because you know kind of going through the creek and with uh kind of uh uh, the fact that the boots weren't broke in, he had rubbed a blister on his feet, foot. So with the blister on his foot, then becomes the issue of what do we do with the old drill bit? And at that point in time, he really can't carry his pack, so we have to figure out where to put his pack. Because of a blister on his foot? Yeah, because at that point in time, you know, we pretty much had to take his shoe off and kind <clears> of <throat> go into the whole first aid and you know any good scout knows that you know you get the needle out and you heat the needle up and you you pop the blister and oh, you get a bit, serious yeah blister. so we literally had to do uh at that point in time it was open heart surgery on his foot yeah. you know for for kids you know we're trained in first aid and anybody that was a boy scout remembers that boy scout manual about 500 pages of little pictograms on how to do basic stuff but that was one of them was we were gonna get in there and pop that blister on his foot so we popped the blister on his foot get him to where he can walk again and of course somebody's got to carry his pack we get there and we get back out but the whole uh the whole thing that i'm trying to go with is there's multiple things multiple moving parts in the story his first is he didn't have the right footwear he didn't plan for the right footwear, meaning, yeah, he had kind of had the right thing on, but he hadn't broken it in. Yeah. Broken in. The second part is because he didn't do what he was supposed to, it caused other people pain. And the other people that were caused pain were the people that had to pack this little bastard's backpack in and out of, you know, uh, the hills of eastern Kentucky for what was supposed to be, you know, fun. And, you know, when you got 35 pounds on your back and then you all of a sudden you got somebody else's, that's not fun for somebody else. So because of him being kind of an idiot or whatever, we all, you know, everybody else had to suffer also. Okay. So do, uh, is it common, is it still common that you have to break in a pair of boots? No, I mean, the materials have changed a lot. And again, we're talking at that point in time, you know, on all leather upper. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like still when you get a pair of shoes, you should really wear them for a little while because flex points in all shoes are, are a lot different. Meaning, um, how to say, what you should actually get measured for a pair of shoes because the flex points are how shoes are designed. They're meant to flex in certain points. Yeah. So if you get a pair of shoes that's not uh, not right for you, those flex points might hit you in the wrong place and then agitate you. So, you know, it's not uncommon for us to, you know, have shoes that we we tell people, you know, here's a pair of shoes, wear them around on the carpet for a couple of days to make sure that they fit correctly. Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of plays into the, you know, the story that we just went through. Because, yeah, as a kid, like, I, I remember... I played basketball a lot. I mean, I wasn't a real dork like you in Eagle Scouts. I was a pretty much stud, like, 10-year-old athlete, you know. Yeah. A good person. Double zero. Yeah. <laughs> I was 31. I wore 31 because I liked Reggie Miller. Oh, okay. So I, Reggie Miller used to scratch everybody. He was he was not a very nice person. Well, he had all kinds of things. That's what they developed the rules for, like, on a three-pointer. He'd kick his feet when he shot a three-pointer, and right. guys would run into his legs. Yeah. So yeah. they developed the Reggie Miller rule. 
So now you can't kick your feet. Yeah, so he, offensive he was not. He was. He was not a very classy guy. <laughs> anyway, so Pace, my favorite player. Pacers were pretty good though. Yeah, he had a good run. Yeah, so it was my. What favorite was the player. most he ever scored in a game? He had a pretty good game. Yeah, he, he had some pretty. He high had the, the the game that was Reggie Miller's like stud game was that one versus the Knicks when he scored like nine points in like, oh, in like eight, eight seconds, seconds yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they ended up winning the game, but. The reason that I brought that up is because basketball shoes, when I was a kid, which now we're talking, you know, shit, almost 25 years ago. Um, since, you're, since you're 10, you being 10, you're not that young. 25 years ago? Yeah, I was 10 years old. I'm 34, so 10 years ago. Oh, I thought when, you were, 10, I thought when you were 10 years old, so that's uh, closer no. to 20. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 20. You said 10 years old. I said 25 years ago. Oh, okay, good enough. Yep, so uh, 25 years ago, even like a pair of basketball shoes – they would, you'd get blisters on your feet for the first two weeks that you wore them. Um, you'd be wearing two pairs of socks, mm-hmm. whatever. And so now I know that there's basketball players like in the NBA that they wear, they wear a new pair of shoes every game. Yeah. And so um, well, they're I'm not, they're because not, the technology changed. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the outsoles as well as the uppers are a lot different. They're not as stiff. So a lot of lot them, wear day one. Well, a lot of the materials, to, yeah, they're... They're walkout ready. Most most of the time, you're, they're ready for you. Yeah, because my, my dainty little feet, I know I put on a pair <coughs> of boots that we stock um, and just went for a facility walk, you know, where I was in them for two hours and I could barely walk at the end of the day because <laughs> well, the boots did not fit my feet right. Well, I, part, of, part of it, there is a, a fit factor to protective footwear. It's a very personal item, so, God, you know, God. you need to make sure that, you know, when you look at sizing on shoes – uh, that's all over the board. If you look at toe caps um, in widths and what the outsole is made of, and what uh, you know, what the midsole is made out of, and does it have a good insole? So there's a lot that actually goes into you know the comfort features in shoes as well as just uh, how well they respond. Okay. So one thing that I think we don't really think about, like with a contractor, or even really someone that works in more of an industrial. Um, site would be that they're technically they're athletes. Well, they're oh yeah, they're industrial athletes. I mean, so I mean they're they're people that are highly skilled. You know, when you sit there and you look at the, you know, an athlete per se is somebody that's highly skilled and highly sought after to do a very specific thing. So, you know, if we have uh, you know a right field right fielder in the. Uh, uh, Major League Baseball versus somebody that is a wide receiver in football versus uh, a boxer. You know, those yeah. are those are all athletes that have very different jobs that require different skill sets and uh, different uh, materials for them to do their job. Okay, so if we really are looking to obviously avoid the major hazards of having your feet crushed or punctured or electrocuted. What do you think are kind of the things we got to look out for? Well, again, it starts back with we have to look forward to what the environment that we're in. So to really take a look at footwear, we need to really address uh, what's going on in the hazard. Hazards can obviously that start with it, that everybody thinks about is crushing those little piggies. Yeah. So that, that's, that's your steel toe. Uh, the second part of it traditionally is going to be the metacarpal bones, which are the, the bones kind of in the top of your foot that actually, they break not real, real easy, but they, they, they break and they take a while to heal. And so you'll have a metatarsal guard that goes over the top. And traditionally that was always kind of that big steel plate that kind of rested over the top of the foot with, uh, Technology that's changed quite a bit to where uh, there's X3Os and different there's different materials that they make that out of, so they're more flexible and pliable and wear well. Well, that's only the first part of it. Is we have ESD and EH. So are we an electrician that's working around live electricity? We don't want to ground ourselves out, so. The first thing we think about from an electrician standpoint is we want that boot to be EH rated, which basically means that we're not going to allow uh, uh, current to go to ground. 
And That's an electrical hazard. Yeah, EH is so versus an ESD wants everything to go to ground. So an ESD is electrostatic dissipative. So it takes any any electric and puts it to ground. So where that might come in, because everybody can kind of remember it. Uh, well, I'll go back to my church days as we put those uh, leather shoes on and we scuff them across the carpet and get that charge. And then we walk yeah. up to somebody and pow. Right. Well, that was an EH situation where we were retaining the charge. Well, an ESD is in a situation where, let's say we're in a highly explosive environment, whether it's vapors or particulate matter that's, that can explode with just a spark, is we don't want to make it, we, we actually want any charge that we would retain in our body to go to ground. So an ESD shoe is meant to make that charge to go to ground. Um, let's say we're in a construction environment where there can be well, nails and boards that we can step on. We may want a puncture-resistant insole, midsole. Um, there can be situations where we are in, whether it's uh, regular oils, food oils, maybe wet concrete where we want slip resistance to be uh, incorporated into that shoe. Um, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of technology that goes into making sure that all these little things are met, even even to, let's say we're in and around chemicals and, uh, we don't want that to degrade the soul. There's those, there's, uh, is, are we around, uh, uh, temperature meaning, are we stepping on something that's hot that could destroy the outsole? Uh, is are we in cold environments where we might need an insulated boot? Okay. Uh, maybe we're going through a metal detector to you know for security reasons to where we might need something that won't set a metal t- detector off to where we go to you know a, a, a polymer type toe. You know, so there's different types of boots for all these different types of hazards. Oh, you basically. just keep there's there's how to say. There's a recipe for everybody that gets, you know, kind of that, you know, something to success. Even to, let's say you're working in a foundry and you have a potential for molten metal to enter the shoe. You want to be able to get that shoe off. So they make a foundry boot to where it's just, a, it's called a kickoff shoe. So that if something gets in the, the shoe, you're able to literally kick it off. Get it off your foot. Yeah. Okay. How about um, for like foot problems or... Uh... I guess if you're talking like a running shoe, maybe you'd have you underpronate or you overpronate. Is there yep. things for specialties about <clears throat> problems? Typically, that's going to be add-ons to the shoe or something that you 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 put into it. But <clears throat> over and under pronation is like you how to say you'll see people. You can usually look at people's shoes and look at the bottom and look at the wear pattern. And people will either you know if they have flat feet, that foot will will tilt in in where the heel of the shoe a certain way or uh, an under or you know, over and under pronation again is just how that that uh, foot moves around so are you walking more towards your heel your outside of your heel or more towards your inside of the heel the perfect stride is going to be straight down the middle huh. and the problem is people won't change insoles or wear a heel cup or something that keeps them kind of centered. And again, over time, they'll wear the shoe down. And the problem with that is, is we're all kind of stacked as a set of Lincoln logs a certain way. Yeah. And if we, if we, uh, it's your back, people complain about back pain. Right. And a lot of times it's, it's their shoes. Okay. That's why old mall walkers, they got it down. Yeah, yeah. They get a new set of, you know. Kids. Uh, yeah, kids or New Balance. And, you know, they're stroking down. I mean, they're, they're Fitbit's registering like 60,000 steps as, the, as they, you know, lap the Orange Julius for like the fifth time. Yeah. And, and you know, they don't have any back problems. They're happy. Well, they're taking care of their feet and they're doing, they're doing a good job of making sure that they got a good base there. Yeah, I think that's something that you probably need to look at that, like, that's why these people are athletes because you would think about those type of hazards as in like for like a running shoe be like oh i'm getting knee pain or i'm getting shin splints so what what could that what could my shoes be doing to attribute that i assume that's the same thing absolutely look at a look at a 
look at a soccer shoe versus a golf shoe versus a basketball versus you know right. football. They're all designed to be uh, for a person to do a job in a different environment. Yeah, but you never. I just most people probably don't think about their work boots like that's kind of a one size fits all type of thing. You would think. Well, all jobs are not the same, right? I mean, are you in and all feet are indoor, outdoor? Are you, you know, what are you doing? Are you an electrician? Are you a carpenter? Are you working off or your knees? What What's the hazard? Do you only need to protect the toe, or do you you have a potential for dropped objects where you may need that that metatar, metatarsal coverage? So there's a lot more that goes into it. Okay. How about can you talk a little bit on? That's my favorite thing. I don't know if you if you watch like press conferences ever after like a big sporting event. And the uh, reporters, the the coaches and stuff like that will always get annoyed. Like Popovich for the Spurs. Yeah. He's the one that's the best when they ask him a stupid question. He will give them a stupid one-word answer. Yeah. And so a lot of times uh, reporters will say, Hey, uh, Greg, can you talk about uh, Tim Duncan's performance? And what do you really think about how he played? He's like, well, why don't you ask me a question <laughs> instead of say talk about like yeah. if you have a question for me ask me that question instead of that so anyways I was going to say so you don't want me to just generalize I was going to say words. talk about hey Dave can you please talk about uh, what the difference is between like an oil resistant boot versus a slip resistant yeah uh, how to say you'll you'll see a lot of boots that if you I look, legitimately barely know what the difference is if you look if you look at them sometimes it'll say oil resistant and people immediately go, well, it's a slip-resistant shoe. Right. That's not the case. Okay. Oil-resistant means that it is resistant to oil. You put it. You put certain. Uh, you put your standard uh, gym shoe into oil, and it will break it down, and it will it will make you will walk right out of the sole. Okay. Over time, versus slip resistance is testing. The coefficient of friction. So, imagine the sandpaper effect against something. How how it stops against something. Mm-hmm. Meaning again, coefficient of friction. So, if I have a surface that just slides and just skis across something, like a well, let's go with the with just a snow ski. Yeah. There's very little coefficient of friction. So I'm I'm meant to I'm meant to just go. Versus maybe something that's got a heavy lug sole and mud that kind of at least catches up a little bit, and all things are not equal because probably oil, tire, tires are probably a good example. Oil is going to be different than water. Water on uh, what kind of surface is it? A dry surface because you know a dry surface it's very easy to get a high coefficient of friction on anything because the coefficient of friction. Um, is mass on top of something and then mass going forward with so if you have a dry surface nothing but if you put ice under that same surface there's going to be zero coefficient of friction okay you know so unless you put like a a snow cleat or a, you know a, a device that's meant to give you traction in, in ice that will stop you okay how about um, I guess we talk insoles mm-hmm. so the difference I guess different types of insoles and kind of what those add to your boots or shoes. Mm-hmm. Insoles can do a lot of different things. Let's say maybe maybe I'm a diabetic. Okay. Um, antimicrobial, so I don't need... So they can be made out of chocolate, so if you need it in that moment, you can just eat your insole. You you, you possibly could. Pop your insole. Yeah, that's a good idea. That would be a little weird because oh. anything my feet have touched, I'm... <laughs> Typically not going to want to eat. Well, but, you need you know, a good sock. Yeah, obviously, there obviously there has to be a good sock. Uh, from ahead. past past, you you know what I do with socks from yeah. other 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 <laughs> episodes. But uh, so no, not probably not the best idea to try to eat there. But uh, antimicrobial, as it relates to diabetics, is we don't want any any of the little how to say not necessarily virus but bacterial stuff. We would like that to kind of die in there yeah so you, you can have insoles that are designed to do that you can have uh insoles that have uh kind of built-in arch supports that when we talk about pronation will will help make sure that we're kind of lining ourselves up correctly okay uh we have insoles that are designed now that have 
puncture resistance built into them. So there's kind of a uh, a metal plate or a metal you know metal midsole in there to keep uh, a nail from passing through the outsole into the foot. So is that to add to a non-puncture resistant boot? You yeah, put in a puncture absolutely. resistant insole. Okay. Yeah, they actually have uh, insoles now that are uh, that meet the standard that are kind of an add-on. Okay. Kind of Cal OSHA was the first to really come out with the standard that talked about puncture resistant or you know having a puncture resistant <coughs> shoe in a construction standpoint and they they really satisfied that with an insole that has kind of a a piece of metal in it. Okay. So uh I would assume a, a major reason to have an insole though would be like for like I know I've seen like anti fatigue materials just like the matting so mm-hmm. I think the cushion is going to be As the we're majority on a, of the reason people would buy an insole or um really? twofold yes for comfort yeah um obviously if we're on our feet for multiple hours a day comfort is a big factor and you how to say you're, you're seeing more companies come out with um again an insole that you know, Timberland has has a good one. Multiple manufacturers have them, to where you get kind of that 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 cushiony good feel, to where it's not just like you're standing on a, you know a, uh, you know warehouse. People have probably some of the worst jobs as it relates to comfort in shoes because they're on a hard surface that doesn't give at all all day, yeah. and they're walking on it. Um, so that 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 in itself is a is a big deal to them from comfort standpoint. But the other standpoint again is when we're in a pair of shoes, none of us are lined up exactly correct. So whether we over or under pronate on the, that pair of shoes over time, we start wearing it. And usually the first place that we start uh, making that change in the shoe is in the insole in the midsole. So by continuously changing uh, the insole, we can help keep a flat base in there instead of wearing it, whether it's under or over pronated. Okay. So we kind of went over uh, a lot of the hazards, uh, kind of telling you what your safety shoes protecting you from, difference between EH and ESD, do that. So can we talk a little bit more about uh, some of the materials that, I don't know, they say space age materials or whatever. Yeah, you know, the, the, the $5 word that everybody's going after now is nanotechnologies. And nanotechnologies <coughs> can be, you know, they're not necessarily, space age may not be the, the biggest thing to say, but, you know, when we look at toe caps, toe caps can be, um, traditionally they were always steel, we have titanium, so we have lighter weight metals that, you know, anytime we can take weight out of a shoe, it's, it's, a, it's a nicer wear. Yeah. Um, it can be, you know, uh, uh, polymer plastics. It can be like there's this uh, X3O. So imagine a material that when it gets, when you hit it, it actually becomes hardened and uh, absorbs the energy to change state. Right. So it's a phase change material. Um, it's things like Gore-Tex. So when we want a booty that is dry but breathes, so it's like Tyvek for your feet. Um, so Gore-Tex is a warmth thing, isn't it? I though How Gore-Tex comes into my head is there's an episode of Seinfeld that they have George in a Gore-Tex coat, and it's like, you've seen a lot of those like puffy coats. This was like mid-90s before that technology had really yeah. advanced. So he just looked like the marshmallow man in this big Gore-Tex coat. He's no, it's not around. really related to heat. It's re- no, it's, it's okay. related to the moisture going, how to say, breathe out, but no water in. Okay. Um, so it's a it's a waterproof yet semi-breathable material. Material. Okay. Um, a heat-related one would be Thinsulate. Yeah. And a lot of people have Thinsulate, and you know. Thin slate in shoes is kind of, it's a catch-22 because, you know, it's a yeah, lot that's of... one you always like to to harp on about, the that you, you're not a big fan. I'm not a big fan because p- 
people will buy a waterproof boot with a thousand grams of thinsulate in it, and then yeah. they'll get up and they'll stomp around and they'll go, "Well, my uh, my feet are wet, so these boots are leaking." Right. And now you your feet are just sweating. Yeah. So you're wearing wool socks inside of your thin yeah. coated work boot. Yeah, and and moving around. Yeah, and that's your feet. Actually, everybody's feet actually do sweat. Yikes. That's the reason that uh, people's feet stink. Oh, it's kind of causal connection there. You need some uh, odor eaters when you're done. How about uh, how about tests that uh, do the boots need? To, I'm assuming all these work boots are going to have to pass some <coughs> sort of tests like. Impact test, compression test. Yeah, any 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 uh, safety shoe. If you kind of peel that tongue open and look at it, it will be rated, and it will it will tell you right there is whether it's rated for uh, if it has a steel toe in it or whether it has a metatarsal in it. It will say whether it has uh, puncture resistant in it. So it will say whether it's EH. So again, a lot of it's to, to get to know the product, sometimes you just have to literally, you know, the tongue for us has always said Nike 9.0. So I knew that I needed Nikes and I needed them in a size nine. Yeah. There's a little bit more information on that tag as it relates to safety than the people, people realize a lot of times. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that about covers things for boots for the moment. So let's move on to our, uh, this week's dumbass of the week. It's the dumbass of the week. Fictional name here. Let's call this guy Gus. Now, Gus. Fat I'm, Gus, regular Gus. I'm envisioning uh, more of like a Swedish Gus. Swedish Gus. I don't know. That's okay, what I'm I, I, He's blonde. He's got a mustache. The mustache doesn't come in very well. <laughs> He's about 34 years old. Uh, he doesn't get a. He doesn't get. He, he tries to grow out a mustache and a beard, but it just doesn't work out just very well for old guys. Hasn't filled in very well. No, I mean, he's, he's hoping maybe by 40 years old, uh, maybe that'll <laughs> fill in. But, but Gus, back in uh, 2014, purchased an AED for his, uh, for his work site because um, he knew that it was an important thing. He maybe. Uh, this is 2014, so we didn't hear our last episode, but I bet Gus is a big fan of ours. But anyways, so Gus purchased an AED and plugged it in and hung it on the shelf, or hung it like hung it on his wall, and then he was good to go because he had an AED. So if there ever was an emergency on site, anyone was in cardiac arrest, Gus purchased this AED, so he was covered. Well, now we're uh, fast forward two years, and... Uh, there was an accident on site where this AED needed to be in use. Well, funny enough, Gus had not touched the AED since he installed it two years ago, and the batteries weren't working. The batteries weren't working. Um, maybe the pads were still okay, but he didn't have it in his time of need because Gus didn't make sure that he was checking this uh, every so often. So uh, what, what do you think uh, Gus should have done differently? Uh, a lot. All right. Because, you know, again, when we talk about safety, this word of program keeps coming up. And yeah. a, a program is not like, uh, it's not like when you walk into uh, like your middle school choir concert and they hand you the program and it's kind of got how the next uh, hour of your life is going to go. Yeah. Programs typically centered around uh, looking forward into here's what the problem is here's how we're going to deal with the problem or the hazard as it relates to stuff and then there's usually stuff in the program that goes here's in the stuff in the future that we need to do yeah. to make sure that everything that we started off with because Gus who can't really grow a beard and is kind of you know facially hair challenged uh will never be a member of Duck Dynasty. <laughs> and the fact is, is, you know, he did a lot of good stuff. Yeah. But, again, as you mentioned, somebody died because for, you know, batteries and pads. So, you know, when he broke those pads out, they were they were as stale as saltine crackers, and yeah. usually they're going to be pliable and sticky. 
and <laughs> the battery, which is, uh, you know, I say there's a lot of different uh, technologies out there. They probably weren't uh, uh, nickel cadmium or whatever the old school battery. They're probably lithium ion or right. some new school. Yeah. But nobody did the uh, visual test, and most every AED that is on the market today, you walk up and you look at it, and it has a visual inspection of almost like a green dot or something on it right. that somebody just has Flashing, to somebody probably. has to casually walk up and look at. Some of them even alarm. But it requires somebody to actually pay, you know. Again, safety requires some level of give a shit. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes it can be, and this is in all uh, aspects of safety, but it can be a reactive thing. So maybe we realized, oh, shit, we have to have an AED on site because this could happen. We could have someone that has a cardiac arrest. If we have this on site, we're, we're going to be way ahead of the game. And then a year goes by and nothing happens, and you kind of just forget about that program. Yeah, and in, in programs, you know, we are – I'm trying to think. It's, yeah, it's 2017. Yeah. So there's a lot of technology. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can uh, go, okay, Google, and my phone will come up, and I'll go, can you set a reminder for – a specific date and I'm okay. watching yeah, your phone's doing my, it as we speak. my phone just did it and I didn't even yeah so long story short is we have technology that can tell us hey take a look at the pads on such and such a date you know oh wow it's that easy yeah, yeah it's really that it's really that easy yeah it's kind of like you just have to think about your, your safety check your daily safety check your monthly safety check your you know there's, annual safety check there's nothing in safety that doesn't require how to say it. there's not like a a magic pill that you take one time and it's like thank god yeah. you know the you know this the clouds rolled 2014, down 2014 we took care of AEDs we're good we're good forever and ever amen until somebody has one and then we'll uh, we'll take a look at it again but damn it, somebody just stroked out again. Yep. So, Jesus Christ. So, oh. Gus, come on, man. Oh, it's the ESPN thing. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, yeah, come on, Gus. <laughs> yeah, so Gus is the dumbass of the week. And, you know, it's okay to be the dumbass of the week because we all learned from the fact that we know that we need to, how to say, we have to remind each other to come back and circle back and look at this stuff. Because, you know, the classic example is the construction site. When we look at a construction site as it is today, there's a hole here, a tractor there, bills over here, electricians are on site. The next day, <clears throat> the site is completely changed. So daily evaluation of what we're doing is, is kind of an important thing. Fair enough. All right. How about uh, time to comb through uh, your email box this week? Oh, boy. Hate email. Yep. So... Once again, uh, if you guys have email questions, you can reach out. Uh, I'm Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. Um, you can go uh, to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, reach out to us through any of those social media aspects. If you guys have questions, we definitely want to hear them, and we can address them on the on the next show. You old school guys, 563-445-2171 is our fax. It's our fax number. Fair enough. If you want to mail us something, we're at, never mind. P.O. Box 1720, <laughs> Davenport, Iowa, 52809. Attention, Dave. So, anyways, question number one. What club? You know, uh, we, we know that we've had some cut injuries. What cut gloves do we need? Do you have a... Uh, I don't know, Dave. What do, you, what do you think? Cut gloves. Well, I mean, a lot, when you look at cut gloves, and again, we're talking cut-resistant... Because uh, <clears throat> people usually walk up and go, what cut-proof gloves you got? It happened to me yesterday. Yep. And it's like, uh, I don't know of such an animal. And they're like, well, what are these? These look like cut-proof gloves. <laughs> yeah. You just said cut-proof. Right. Yeah, that's what I had somebody yesterday. I went in, and it was like a, a warehousing place. They just warehouse things. And he said, he goes, well, we, we use our box cutters, and... We have had some hand injuries, but none of our gloves are cut proof. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. You know, I don't think there's really because I don't know. Of, I don't know of such an animal. Right. But go ahead. So part of it is realizing, obviously, cut is 
a compounded thing that is what is the edge and how much pressure is on the edge because you can have so if I took a very dull knife and put 20,000 pounds of pressure on it it's going to make it's it's going to make the most it's going to be nasty it's going to destroy a lot of stuff versus if I take a razor blade with a pound of force and come across that it's going to make a very nice little neat cut that I can then sew up so we got to get out of our head is cut proof and we have to get our mind wrapped around resistance to the cut resistance to the cut is first of all understanding how much pressure are we putting on that so if I take my hand and then hand somebody an axe and have them swing an axe at my hand that's going to be a lot of pressure it's going to take a quite a bit different glove that if I take a box cutter and I just do a motion you know with a couple pounds of pressure where I'm trying to cut tape off a box completely different thought process so it's wrapping our minds around what that is and let me give a little caveat is when we talk about cuts let's say we're handling material let's say we're handling sheet metal if we have the wrong um, <clears throat> polymer on the glove or the wrong uh, a lot of the uh, flat dip gloves that are out there now can have nitrile they can have polyurethane there can be uh, nitrile that has kind of air blown through it so it can absorb stuff and give you a better grip on different materials if you have silicone on the palm and it's wet it's going to be slick so how to say we can create we can create uh, by we can grab something with a glove that is cut resistant and slip and then just because we're holding on to it the weight of the item and we slip all of a sudden we cut a glove it is that is meant for cut resistance so there's there's a lot of different moving parts in there but the biggest things we have to remember is how sharp is the edge how much pressure yeah. And then that's we're going to take that, and then we're going to go into uh, the new gloves, uh, well, the new cut protection standard. Uh, I believe it's ASTM twenty two ninety two, which replaced ASTM seventeen ninety. And when we look at those, it used to be an A one through an A five. Now it's an A one through an A nine. And if you contact one of your safety professionals, they'll be able to kind of work with you to go. Uh, you have a limited risk, let's go with an A2. Or you're going to cut your damn hand off, you dumbass, so yeah. let's go with an A789. Right. So, it, again, it's it's evaluating what's going on there. Yeah, and I bet you sometime in the future there'll be an episode in regards to cut protection, if I had to take a guess. So, all right, how about, uh, here's, here's a question. And for fit testing, respirator fit testing, we know we need to fit test for our respirators. Do we have to fit test... On a paper mask. Oh, yes. Maybe. Yeah, no. Uh, rule of thumb is, if you're wearing a respirator, yes, go through go through all means and methods that you that you need to. And I'm going to try to cook this down as quick as I can. Most things that say respirator on the box are a NIOSH approved device, and those are the guys that test the respirators. To, that they say yes that filters out particulates vapors whatever the hell we're trying to get out of there so once it says that then it requires that fit test which before you have the fit test you have to have a medical evaluation medical evaluation and pulmonary fit test or pulmonary function test test whether i can breathe enough that i can pull air in and out of a respirator without expiring. Yeah. Maybe there's mental issues. Maybe I'm claustrophobic and I really shouldn't put anything on my face because I have a mental issue. Those are all things that you should think about before you just go, yeah, here's here here's a here's a and people call them paper paper masks. So again it looks like a piece of paper with a rub, couple rubber bands around it or string or whatever right. around it. But the rule of thumb is yes, you need to test that. Here's one of the, the things that go people go round and round is, well, I'm an employer, and I don't require anybody to wear a respirator, but uh, Nancy over here is kind of, she's kind of a weirdo, 
It's yeah. like a germaphobe, and she still wants to wear that respirator. Right. You're still required to kind of oversee that because she's wearing it in the workplace. Right. And since she's wearing it, yeah, you still need to do that, that that fit test. And the fit test can be qualitative, quantitative, whichever you want. Obviously, the qualitative is going to be the easiest one to check off on. So is that is there a, a difference between a respirator quote and a dust mask quote, or is that the same thing, or if, can one be called the other? Uh, I thought I had heard that a dust mask... Technically, a dust mask like doesn't require a fit test. Is that not the case? Well, the only thing that really doesn't really require it, the the word nuisance. Okay. A nuisance mask. So, a nuisance means it's not doing any. It's not filtering anything to a degree. When you Just have a respirator, keep it out of your nose. Hopefully, yeah. It's it's. There's a chance that it'll keep it out of your nose. It's a nuisance because you can buy a respirator that is a P100. So it is. A filtration rate of 99.7% of things greater than 0.3 microns. But it has nuisance level or volcanic vapor properties in it, which means I'll keep a little bit out of it. I'm not saying I do anything. What about the... uh, But again, I'm going back into the caveat of NIOSH-approved respirator. Okay. Do the straps mean anything? Someone had told, I think I also had heard that if it had one strap on it, then it maybe was uh, a dust mask, that anything that was a respirator had two straps on it. Typically, respirators would be a dual strap device okay. because you're trying to keep it, you know, fit against the face. So usually a strap will be high, a strap will be low. But it's kind of most likely, what are you protecting them against? If yeah, you but them against I, I, anything, would, I would look at the box and say, does it say respirator anywhere on there? And does it say um, NIOSH anywhere? Because if you see both of, any one of those wor- two words, then you need to to really go after a fit test. But most likely they're wearing it. They're wearing it for a reason. They probably need to be fit test for it. Yeah, there's a reason. So, all right. Well, fair enough. How about? Um, I think that's it for our questions. How about we move on to Fred's Shark Tank ideas? I got some million dollar ideas here. I want to try and shoot them to you on on protective footwear. See if you're see if you're interested in. Uh, but I gotta know which shark am I, am I the ball guy, Mr. Wonderful, the old real estate <laughs> yeah. lady, the QVC lady. That's, ah, okay. I'm seen as a QVC lady. Okay, right. Hybrid QVC lady, hybrid uh, Mark Cuban. Okay, right. So you kind of got your athletic gear on right now. So we're. Uh, I, go I feel. Go cats go. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're in between those two. All right, here's my number. I'm in between those two. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, you're not full Cuban. You're, like, you're full Cuban? Yeah, right. Anyways, so my first one here, uh, so for some of my female workers, I'm thinking some stylish work boots with the fur. Because she's got them apple <laughs> bottom <laughs> jeans and the work boots with the fur. I'm not sure how far that'll go. No? I'm going to give that a... That's that's not selling. Okay, yeah, so maybe grade me on a 1 to 10. You're not investing in that one. All right, no. how, about, how about thigh high steel toes? For the, uh, in the in the sex industry, maybe <laughs> I don't know. You might need them. Yeah, that might be useful. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Okay, I was more thinking of like a girl that works hard and plays hard. She likes to have her, she likes to go to work, be protected on her toes. But then afterwards, she wants to wear them out for a in cosmopolitan thigh high. Thigh high, yeah. Okay. The leather goes up. The, yeah, right. okay. So you're not interested in that one either. No. How about metatarsals? But they have the roller skates built into the heels. You can go skin. Winter, winter chicken dinner. You like that one? Yeah. Well, think about this. Any manufacturing facility where you get those metatarsals on, you take like that first two big steps and then you kind of lean back on that roller skate and just kind of skate all the way down to the other end of the plant. Yeah, or if you're... uh, Because you usually have those stupid like gator looking machines that are yellow with the the unicycle wheel on the front of it. Okay, so so you like that one. That could be a... uh, good one like I'm, I'm working on one side of the plant and now I need to go over here to the other side of the plant and just yeah but they t- the they take off on that real quick one two three step <laughs> yeah, yeah just yep, like alright how about uh, this could be a nice safety factor would be uh, light up when you step like the little kids you used to have like the LED visual area. awareness yeah you get some light ups you can see somebody coming antsy 107 up. class 4 shoes high does that exist 
No. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> say, did I already get, <laughs> already get aced out of this idea? <laughs> yeah. Think no. about that. No, I'm uh, saying we create a whole standard where you're required in a okay. in a in a work environment. A high you know. disability work shoe. Yeah. After dark. That may be good for uh, guys on the side of the sh- on the street, like working roadways. Or, or like the little, you know, you get those little fat little toddlers that are about 18 months and they put those little squeaker shoes on there. And they're same, same difference. All right, here, here, here's a good one. And they had released, released a crystal clear Pepsi about crystal clear work boots. <laughs> no, because ain't nobody want to see anybody's feet. Any, any piggies? Oh, that's disgusting. Different strokes for different folks. Most people have ugly ass feet. Yeah, well, anyways... So you added uh, steel-toed golf shoes. So if you're out on the course, you're just going to get in nine and then head head to the office afterwards? Yeah. As long as they're, they're not steel anymore, where you're not going to walk in and be crunch, crunch, crunch. Most of them are like little plastic things you never even know they're there. And the removable spikes? You're saying this is, this is spikeless, a spikeless version? Yeah, not the, not the heavy. Now they have like little, I don't know, they're like little... Spider things on the bottom of the shoe, though. All right, so it sounds like we had two winners. So you can definitely uh, reach out to us via emails if you're interested in investing in any of these ideas. If any of the big boot manufacturers out there want to get a piece, I'm interested in talking. Hey, everything's on the table. Yeah, it's a word for sale. So <laughs> advertisement, whatever, whatever you guys want to do. So I think that's it for today. Time's up. Thank you guys for listening again. We made it through six episodes. Chase. So we're. Uh, Six we're gonna, pack. We're going to keep plugging along. So glad you stuck it out to reward you. We'll be back next week uh, with more safety stories. So safety is an important topic. Half the world is not talking about it uh, like it is. So we're just trying to change that. Once again, leave us some comments. Uh, ask questions. Jump into our uh, social media conversations. Whatever works best for you. Once again, we're Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. Um Really, whatever works for you. Shine some, shine some light on the subject so we can avoid the stories that end with tragedy and someone saying, I just never thought about the danger. In this age of information, we can really do better. So until next time. More calling Orson. Safety has no quitting time. We'll see you later. Come in, Orson. Thanks for listening in to Dave and Bacon's Safety Tales, brought to you by Quad City Safety. Send us your questions on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter at Quad City Safety. Hashtag Safety Tales. Or email them to Fred at QuadCitySafety.com. He's the guy keeping this mess of a show in line. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's a kick-ass way to show that you care about safety.